Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And of course, we've got a great episode coming up for you today with both myself, Adam Marbeck, and Doug Norrie. We're going to dive in on the playoff picture. A lot of games were, were settling out as we were recording in real time, so it allows us to set the table. I kind of throw Doug for a little bit of a curve when we talk about matchups in the Eastern Conference, seeding, and some teams that are going to be going full throttle for the win, and maybe their opponent saying, sure, go ahead and take that W if you want it. So we'll talk about all the implications, some injuries uh, for teams there as well they are going to impact some of those play-in games and then as we said yesterday want to go back into the last game talk about role players we gushed so much about Harden there were obviously big games from Nicholas Claxton Shamit got himself back on track but then what about Bruce Brown what about Blake Griffin expectations expectations we keep drilling this down as we head towards the playoffs for these role players and what's going to feel like the sweet spot in terms of minutes that you want to utilize them for and of course the effectiveness that they can have in a given matchup and then we close it out with the fan favorite lock it up talking about a player we haven't seen yet but fingers crossed we all hope we do as well as some other around the general nba and just interesting nuggets from doug you know them the doug nuggets but before we get into it all it's the theme music You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets every day. I'm Doug Norrie, the owner-operator, DFSR.com. You know the whole thing. Get you over there for projections if you need them for FanDuel and DraftKings. Updating those NBA minutes every night. It's an absolute minefield with these things late season. And that is Adam Armbrecht celebrating the release of the NFL schedule because he does the One Giant podcast covering the New York football giants. Also, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets on Sportscaster. Buddy, how are we doing? We are almost finished with the regular season here with the NBA. That's right. As, as it winds down, I'm, I'm thinking about dates that are three months away for the NFL. That's, that's, that's the state of my life right now. But on the net side of things, just a couple of games to go. And as some other games within the East are winding down as we record this, we're really starting to get a more crystallized picture around what the Nets need or don't need to do these last couple of games. And then that, that playoff kind of implications of where all those seedings are going to shake out. Okay, so I, what's funny, so Adam and I were trying to figure out timing in today's podcast because we wanted to be able to kind of give a good, solid playoff picture for the Nets going into the weekend in terms of seating. Also did not want to stay up till midnight, so there's always a nice little, um, <laughs> there's, there's a nice little, you know, trying to uh, like you know, thread the needle here, so to speak, in terms of, of what you do. Um, I was watching, and I'm going to tell you, we're the ultimate jinx factors here because I was watching Milwaukee, Indiana, furiously cheering for the Pacers here to take out Milwaukee and just kind of 
I don't know, had the Nets be able to rest a little easier with the two seed, texted you at halftime, said, there's absolutely no way they're coming back. Sabonis then got hurt. I felt even more confident. And not, it's terrible if Sabonis got hurt. But, um, you know, TJ McConnell like, looks like he broke his hand. Karis Levert's already out of the game. They're missing everybody. Then Sabonis hurts his knee. It doesn't look like he's going to come back. Feel very confident getting on this podcast talking about it. As we're recording, they're only down eight in the fourth quarter. So I'm laughing because <laughs> I'm like, yeah. if, if, we did it perfectly, friend. We did it again. Perfect look, timing. I'm going to tell you right now, up great. they're only down eight because we said it. Like we spoke it into existence. Uh, we we started the hit. We hit record. And the only reason they're kind of like making a furious comeback and hanging around with this Milwaukee team who really wants to win. Um, they have to go in play Miami over the weekend. And Miami, this is the reason we mentioned these games before, Miami has um, everything to play for over the weekend as they, the Knicks, and the Hawks all duke it out for this four through six seed, which you have to feel motivated if you're every one of these teams to keep winning because there's a home court uh, playoff series in the balance by whatever happens between these teams. So Milwaukee, excuse me, Milwaukee, unlike the Nets, is going to have to basically deal with a, a Miami team that really probably wants to win here because they'd probably love to get into the four seed or at least try to keep the pressure on uh, on Atlanta and also keep the Knicks out of it. So this is where the Nets situation actually is greatly benefited now by the fact that it's a real kind of quagmire for this four through six seed. And it really does look like each of these teams, uh, Milwaukee, excuse me, Miami, I'm getting all myself all confused here. Miami, um, Miami, the Knicks got it. and Atlanta. Jeez, you, got, you need like a map on my wall to follow what's going on here. Um, the all three of these teams are not really taking anything off here. They're all trying to get into the four seed. So I think on Saturday it's going to be a really interesting day of basketball on Saturday. Where I think if you're a Nets fan, you probably do really want to tune into that game. This is the Milwaukee Miami game because there's a chance Miami wins this one. By the end of it, we're looking at a situation where the Nets probably can take off that final game of the season because they'll have it wrapped up. No, for sure. You know, and, and when you look at it right now, as it stands, everything with the games, the way we think they're going to finish out tonight, everything is going to stay stagnant as far as the way the Eastern Conference seeding plays out right now. And that puts Milwaukee, you know, the Knicks who are in the sixth seed, they'll be taking on Milwaukee in that first round. The interesting thing to me is probably that, yes, I fully think that Miami wants to avoid falling to the sixth seed potentially and having to take on Milwaukee in the first round. But oddly enough, though, you know, I'm curious from your standpoint, if you're Milwaukee, you probably also don't want to play Miami in the first round. Like you'd probably rather play the Knicks or Atlanta before you play the Miami Heat in the first round. So I, I almost wonder oh, what that looks tanked, like. Oh, they tank. We're going. They tank the game. That's what you're saying here. They just they let Miami I, they, win. They, 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 unless unless Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I guess like unless Milwaukee is, you know, still thinks again, like you said, with when you look at the net schedule, and you see our opponents for the weekend. OK, are we really going to catch them? It's only going to take one game. And if we go ahead and rest our rest our starters against Miami and let them get the win, we'll maintain at worst a matchup with the Knicks in the first round or we'll get we'll catch Atlanta if they were somehow to fall. And that's a far more favorable first round matchup if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, I would think. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't even think about that because you really, I agree with you. You do not want to be facing, none of these teams want to face the Heat here. Like the Nets don't want it. The Nets, right. do, the, uh, I mean, if they control their destiny, then fine. They're not worried about falling. Uh, then the Heat can't fall to seven. But yeah, I, that's that's a really interesting way to think about it. I hadn't thought about that. Man, that's uh, the chess pieces really start moving here if the Bucks don't want to play the Heat in the first round. And by the way, I would not want to play the Heat in the first round. Of all these teams, um, 
they're just look we saw what they did last year they they have sort of I don't know probably not championship pedigree but they were they made it to the championship last year the finals last year so um even if it was like sort of a weird year I don't think they're you know in any way close to a favorite to do that this season but they're still of the, all the first round teams, this is not the team that you want to come in and start playing. Like they're coached awesome. They're coached awesomely. They have an absolute baller in Butler. They have two superstars in Butler, not a buyer. They can really shoot the three of all these teams. Yeah, that would be interesting. I wonder if Milwaukee does pack it in. Oh man, now you got me really thinking. Now I'm really interested in what's happening. There you go. It. See, just play, you go ahead and little little mind pop right there. And on top of which, too, I'll say from a Nets perspective and maintaining that two seed, obviously, you mentioned you never wish any ill will or injuries on a team. But when you see the Pacers struggling and guys leaving the game, all of a sudden, when you look into those play in those play in teams, you said Washington. OK, but that, you know, they don't present the same kind of matchup problems that anybody else would. Boston's a wreck. Now, Indy is maybe going to be reeling with additional injuries. You throw Charlotte in there. Nobody, as far as the Philadelphia 76ers or the Nets, and this maybe is why the Nets don't feel compelled to over-pursue the one seed, even if they could, is because none of those teams are going to scare you on paper in the first round. Obviously, there's there's a clear, clear divide between that four, five, and six, and then everybody else, as you mentioned last time out. Yeah, totally. So this is going to be a really interesting weekend of basketball. Again, I think this is exactly what the NBA wanted with these playing games, with the seeding stuff. So this is way more interesting this time of year now than it would have been um, in previous seasons where the playoffs would have basically been set. I mean, I guess it would have been a little closer around some of these seven, eight, nine teams. But um, in general, there's just so much intrigue about how the moving parts start like just kind of and where everything just sort of starts falling that I the NBA can't be anything but just kind of pumped about even if teams and players don't love what's happening. Um but that's that's really neither here nor there for like the fan experience. And if you're a fan, the, a lot of these games would have just been total nothing burgers going into this final season, final week <laughs> of the season. And because that's what it just always happens that way. A lot of, there's like you know four teams that something matters for. Everyone else has basically packed it in. But now that there's so many teams involved and the seeding really actually matters. Um, yeah, I guess there's real stuff to talk about here in this final week of the season. And believe me, having done this for years and years, this never happens. <laughs> like it just always it is never just, this interesting. <laughs> no, never, ever, ever. It's always it's usually just as the opposite of interesting. It's usually just completely and utterly brutal. Like it's like what the it's like like half the teams are doing what the Raptors did tonight, which is just start yep. like they're starting five guys that most most NBA people would not have heard of at the beginning of the season. And so, and that's just like, not what you want. Like, you know, you'd want the Nabe's playing, <laughs> like got to start tonight. And that's just, again, like fine player, but that's just not really where I don't think the NBA wants things. All right. We are going to get into some of these Nets performances the other night that we uh, sort of, we didn't skip over, but it was so, so much James Harden talk last game that really couldn't, couldn't really go any other way. But there's, we kind of passed over a couple guys that had pretty uh, exciting and sometimes like borderline massive games for the Nets uh, against the Spurs the other night. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at bet online's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action we just talked about heading into a crazy weekend here with nba take advantage of it over at bet online maybe baseball is your thing too go baseball is in full swing bet online has you covered there also every piece of the sports action you want to get right now bet online has you covered news odds everything you need head on over to betonline.ag right now don't sit on the sidelines anymore it's your chance to get into the game make a first deposit when you sign up for a new account signing up's free you're going to want to deposit and when you do make sure you use the promo code locked on just like our podcast network the promo code locked on for that 50 percent welcome bonus has got to be your first deposit though bet online your online sportsbook experts okay so the other thing that we mentioned of course yesterday was just it was all about gushing over 
the the James Harden return and his performance and how incredible he is and how lucky we all are to be in his presence. It was a magical time for everybody on the podcast. But we did gloss over, you know, short of saying a lot of guys were in double digits, the way that a lot of these role players performed in that game. And particularly, we did kind of nod to it a little bit. Uh, and this is really, I'm, I'm going to mention Nick Claxton's name by way <laughs> of complimenting Harden and, and talking about the roster overall, which is to say, you know, Claxton coming back from his coming back from injury or from from the the protocols, he was getting back into his rhythm. But then Harden comes in and plays, and all of a sudden Claxton has one of his best games of the season. There's a direct corollary between the success of anybody, Claxton or anybody else, and Harden being on the floor. What were the other guys? Or feel free to talk about Claxton if you want. But what were some of the other guys that you saw really benefiting from Harden being back out there? Yeah, look, we talked about it yesterday in the podcast that the it was it was really just everyone benefited. <laughs> like it's just one of these things where it just it's not just I mean Claxton was a clear beneficiary of it. Um he he overlapped. Let me I'm just I was just looking up real quick what his minute overlap with Harden was. It wasn't actually a ton in the first half. It was a lot more uh in the second half where they uh they went da, 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 da. Yeah, they probably ended up playing like 9 to 10 minutes together altogether. Um yeah, but it was a situation where really just everybody benefited right on down the line when Harden had the vision that he has everything on offense gets easier um when he, he and uh, katie play together then everyone it's just it becomes wide open for the rest of the group because you have to put so much um you just have to put so many resources into trying to stop those two guys that when you do you're just hoping the rest of the group doesn't totally kill you and yeah but we can start with claxton I, like if this is the kind of game that claxton is going to play at high level minutes against a decent team then he uh, th- we never really doubted this but that he has a place in on the court for them in the playoffs like it was looking weird as he was coming back from injury where they would just like not play him and we sometimes were a little confused about why and the minutes really weren't there it did become pretty clear from him from an offensive perspective that he needs someone elite in terms of like sort of running the offense to make it so that it unlocks him. He's just not at a point in his game now where he can do it on his own. It's okay. Maybe one day it comes. It's, it's all right. He did not come out of college as a finished product. um, And we know that he's much more finished at this point on the defensive end than the offensive end. So it's like, it's going to be struggle for him to play with guys like Mike James or just, you know, Tyler Johnson's of the world. If they're running, if those guys are the guys running the offense, even, even Kyrie to some degree, because Kyrie, as good as he is on ball, he's not exactly a guy who can make a lot of great things happen for others. This is not his game. It's right. okay. It's like that. It's not a huge deal. He's just such an elite scorer that he can make stuff happen by the way he sucks in the defense, but his, he doesn't have the vision, like anything like the vision that Harden has, right? Like he doesn't have, like we talked about this, the allowing, I can't remember if we talked about this on locker room or not, because I think it was off the podcast, but it was it was like every little bit of space that Harden is able to create for other people is just, is is ends up being death for the rest of the defenses, right? Because yeah. if he, if you open up just an extra six inches of space, like you're not on someone's hip on a roll. If you're not, if you don't, you know, if you get caught looking uh, on a on sort of a switch, or if you get caught into a double team, Harden will just find it. And that was what we just saw with Claxton last night. Was like every time someone made just a little bit of a spacing error, it was just a basket for Claxton when he was playing when he played with Harden. So I, I, if, if Harden's gonna be on the court, this is my joke on Twitter about him making guys into elite big men, like. He can just play with his offense if this is going to be the guy that's facilitating the offense because you're much less worried about him making all the correct reads. Yeah, and it's different specifically in the case, and we'll move off of Claxton because there's other guys I do want to touch on, but specifically in his case, it's the benefit of, as you said, listen, Kyrie can make a a lot of incredible passes and set guys up nicely off of his offensive game, but 
you know, think about a Blake Griffin. Think about even a Jeff Green. Think about Kevin Durant. All of these guys are guys that can establish their position or establish where they're going to be shooting from. When I think about a guy like Jeff Green, take that pass in the lane and go ahead and drive at the basket. But they're all guys that can establish themselves first, receive a pass, and then go into their offensive game. Nick Claxton needs to not have to think about anything on the offensive end of his game and just be kind of setting a screen at the top and starting to roll to the basket before he can say, boo, Harden has already bounced the ball into his path. It's like, hey, let the instincts take over and get up at the rim. So that's, I think, the big difference for his game on the offensive end. He needs someone who is going to consistently feed him the ball and just put him in spots where all of the guesswork is kind of out of his game and he can have the biggest opportunities to have some success on that end of the floor. The... The other pieces to me, I mean, I think you mentioned it maybe in in locker room as well after the podcast. Mike James gets gets signed on for the rest of the season, affecting you know, for the postseason effectively. Were you surprised at all that you know, he's that he's been on the court? Obviously, are you surprised that we haven't seen much of Tyler Johnson down the stretch here? And even more surprised that even over the course of all of this, we know LMA retired. But the, I, I, I guess maybe I thought the Nets were going to go look for maybe just another body because that's what Mike James effectively is just another warm body. So why not maybe a flyer on a guy that's a little bit bigger and can give you some size on either end of the floor, maybe even just specifically defensively. Were you surprised by by the lack of that movement or pursuit from the Nets and, and now James? And is he all of a sudden, is he at whatever the pecking order is? Is he as high as he could possibly be in the pecking order on this roster? I mean, I guess. I, like, it's funny with the Nets. Like, the the situation they have right now is they feel very guard heavy, but they're actually very two guard heavy. <laughs> Not, yes. I, I don't mean yeah. t, I don't mean T O O. I mean T W O. Two guard, uh, shooting guard heavy. Like Tyler Johnson is just not a point guard. He's a shooting guard at this point in his career. Kyrie is effectively a shooting guard when he plays with Harden. Shaman is clearly a shooting guard. I hate to. I'm I'm mostly team no position, but if we're getting very granular granular on this kind of stuff, then if I and he, and he forced me to put it into a box. It's hard to have those guys spend a lot, not Kyrie, the other guys um, spend a lot of time on ball. And Mike James, for whatever he is, clearly is like, is it the Chioza type? It's like, okay, we can put the ball in his hands and he's probably not going to turn the ball over a ton. He's not going to make crazy bad mistakes. He takes some really bad shots. I will say that. But the, um, but in general, for what they need for him now to sort of play out the string, warm body territory, it probably is better to have a guy like him than another big. I, I think the, another big thing probably rears its ugly head come playoff time when they are going to find themselves um, short on bigs. <laughs> like in some of these ma- in some of these matchups, I think that's uh, something that I don't want to call it a theme, but I do think that's something that we're going to end up discussing at some point in the playoffs is like, it does feel like the Cinderella slipper is going to get put on go go the excuse me, go to, the other way in Cinderella. It's going to turn into a pumpkin on some of this Blake Blake Griffin stuff. If I'm guessing, <laughs> like like the yeah, you know, bad samples are st- coming from him, right? I mean, just or just like hugely intense long minute stretches for him. I can't imagine are just going to be good for him. So I just don't. And and Claxton is really the next guy up. And at that point, you're playing like Katie and Jeff Green at the five. So I think there's yeah, I'm with you on the part where um, the the lack of bigs might end up be a problem. I just don't know who was there was probably just nobody available. So then at that point, if there's just nobody available, having Mike James out there that can just run the offense for these games that don't really matter here near the end, or he can just eat a lot of minutes and not have a million turnovers, I, that probably is something that's um that is worth something compared to the rest of the guards because again it feels like they have a ton of guards but their their guards are mostly of a variety that aren't point guard 
Well, and that's what makes it interesting, too, about the sample size. We now got these last couple of games from Bruce Brown. It's like I, I do feel like we mentioned the, the, the amazing story that's been him this season. Then understanding, though, what his limitations are going to be, how you're going to maybe have to get away from him in the playoffs because of matchups. But then, as you mentioned, but boy, you know, what, what about when it gets a little ugly for Blake Griffin if you're trying to overtax him and ask too much of him? Does does Bruce Brown still get put out there in that weirdo five role or wherever you want to line him up on the court, but effectively just, hey, I'm not going to question how Bruce Brown continues to be effective on the offensive and defensive glass, how he continues to make things happen out of sheer will, it seems like, but I am going to utilize him, you know, or... Is this an aberration as far as, yeah, you did it in these two games against a couple of bad teams, but again, the bigger matchups are going to be hard because when I start to line up this roster, somebody's got to go in. You know, somebody has to play minutes here when you get into the playoffs, specifically because I don't think that a Blake Griffin is just going to be a max minute guy come playoff time, so you're still going to have to spell him. Maybe it is now Claxton if we feel a little bit confident in him, but one of these guard players, one of these two guards, is going to see minutes whether we would prefer it or not, I think. I think one thing that was really encouraging that we saw against the Spurs was that KD really dialed up his defense in a way that um, is pretty important for them come playoff time. And so I think some of the big yeah, man first taste of that, right? Yeah, kind of. I mean, like this defense for him really was the last thing to come around after this injury, I think. But we saw him start to dial it up. He had a bunch of blocks. He got he was there um, able to sort of contest the basket a decent amount. And one thing we kind of forget is that, you know, he is. He's not as on the body of a center. He doesn't play like one, but he can be an effective big man defender against the right matchups. It's not going to work against Embiid. It's not going to work, and probably not even going to work that well against Giannis. But a lot, of, even some of these early round things, um, you can play him at an effective five if you're playing him and Jeff Green together. Let's say I don't think it's, it works as well with Bruce Brown, but like um, Jeff Green, you can play him as a big. And we kind of just look past that in terms of like a, you know a power forward, but it basically is what he is is a power forward at this point. And so I was it was really encouraged to see him dial up the defense because when we make the list of of Nets bigs, we never mention Kevin Durant, but he is a big right. <laughs> like he's not he's not the guy. Like we we mentioned basically everybody else before we even mention him, but that's probably not doing him. Total justice. All right, I want to talk a little bit more about this. We're gonna do some stock up. Oh no, sorry, not in the stock up. Lock it up um, here in a second. Uh, so much to talk about. I'm never gonna have enough time to do all this stuff. First, have to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar, the absolute best protein bar on the market. Point stop. Period. End of sentence. Nothing else even compares. Built Bar, nine delicious flavors. Sometimes they have a limited variety too. But if you're the old school like us, you're going coconut, coconut almond, cherry raspberry mint brownie and others those aren't ice cream flavors folks those are protein bar flavors you won't believe these things are actually healthy for you but they are there's something for everyone i'm kind of a cherry guy lately um didn't think that was gonna be coming later in life but it did raspberry going the fruit route with my built bars uh but again there's something for everybody in here you like stats here comes some for built bar 17 grams of protein only 130 calories only four grams of sugar just four grams of net carbs. That's the stuff. I mean, if there, if there was a PER for uh, for protein bars, this would be sitting at the absolute top. No doubt about it. Right now, if you order today, you can get the raspberry, like I said, or cherry or whatever you like. You go to builtbar.com. You uh, put in your order. Then you typed in the promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED, like our podcast network, 15 for the 15% you're going to get off that first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. 
All right, and before we do get into the Lock It Up segment, for the first time in a while, because we've been tantalizing the audience with a lot of Matt Brooks appearances, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on from those role players and expectations before we dive in? No, I think that was pretty much it. I mean, I know we wanted to talk about Claxton because we gave him short shrift, which doesn't make any sense for the way we've talked about him in past when he hasn't done much of anything and we talked for him for long segments and he finally hasn't busted out of the box game and we kind of just skip right over it. So a uh, nice par for the course uh, situation there. No, I think that I think we basically covered it. Um, I, I yeah, I, I basically covered and I'm gonna we'll talk about this more as we get to the playoffs. Like the the role players that I think we've gotten a lot out of and the role players that I'm also just moderately concerned about going into the playoffs with, but some of this just sorts it out when the big three are playing together and none of these guys are as important as you think they are. So no, I think we basically covered it. I'm a proud papa, you know what I mean? I want to see Claxton grow, I want to see him get better. Then sure. he finally showed it all to me, and that's when I immediately stopped praising him. That's how it works. Now go earn it for me again, boy. I want to see you. I want to see you earn my love again. Yeah, uh, we don't want to get anyone getting comfortable around here. No reason for it. <laughs> That's it. That's why I constantly tell Doug at the end of the episodes. That was pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. That means then, friends, it is time for. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. That is right. Lock it up. As I said, for the first time in a long time, let's actually start. We'll touch back on something that we covered here a little bit. Uh, lock it up. The Bucks will tank against Miami to avoid having them in a matchup in the first round. Man, I can't believe I was actually thinking about this, but uh, or excuse me, I can't believe I'm actually talking about it because I never even would have thought about it. I, I said no, they don't. I just don't think they're going to send that signal. Uh, they're just going to play it out and see how it goes. I think that I think that probably it's one of those conversations you have. And then when it actually push comes to shove, you just say, hey, let's just go out and play our guys and just see what happens because we don't want to give anyone bulletin board material or anything like that for other, th- other, other matchups, right? Because if you're a championship team, I mean, you can finagle your first round matchup a little bit, but ultimately you're going to have to beat these teams also. So <laughs> I was going to say, you're not going to want to avoid them, only have to play them later and have the storyline be. Now, remember, this is the Miami Heat team that the Bucks were terrified to play in the first round. Exactly. Like, so I just don't think, I don't think you end up doing it, but I thought you're, uh, the way you described it actually got me thinking. So I say, um, I lock it up. They don't do that, but I think that's an interesting thought experiment. Okay. Another quick one here before the big one that I want to get to lock it up. The Nets win their final two games, sub lock and get the number one seed. Oh, uh, no, nah, I can't lock that up. Yeah. I don't think Philly uh, – I mean, Philly has really rolled over in this Miami game, so I think that's interesting. But, um, no, I don't uh – I don't think that they get the number one seed, but I do think they win the last two games. Okay, uh, I, like I said, I, it's, it's, I guess I hold out one little caveat that if Milwaukee does end up losing that game and it doesn't matter as much, um, that last game, I could see a situation where the Nets sit and Cleveland's so bad that the Nets could sit everybody and they could still pull it off. Oh, no, wait, do they have Chicago? I just got myself confused all of a sudden. Which one do they have? Oh, no, yeah, they have... Oh, right. No, yeah. They have Chicago first. Yeah. So Cleveland. Yeah. So Cleveland. Sorry. Jeez. I can't keep track of all the schedule stuff. Um, yeah. No. So Cleveland stinks so bad that there's some chance that like a, a, the Nets B team or whatever could go out and maybe even stay competitive with them. But I still think they win. Yeah. They win both games with no number one seed. It's interesting uh, as the last, the last topic I want to get to here that as the season is winding down with two games to go, the Nets are now checking all of their healthy boxes, right? Kyrie, a little scare there, but he's going to be good. All of a sudden, the Nets are going to have everybody possible available for them in the playoffs, excluding, or maybe not, do you lock it up that Spencer Dinwiddie will make an appearance in these playoffs? Because he very specifically represents 
an actual point guard, the thing that the Nets do lack. So even though it'd be another guard on the roster, he does he does do the things that a Kyrie can do or that a James Harden can do, by which I mean bring the ball up the court, set the offense, and also we know he's very effective scoring at will and getting to the basket. Yeah, what's the latest on him? I saw him working out and rehabbing um, with someone the other day in the video. Now I can't remember who it was. I, I should have. I wish you. I knew you. You, you never gave me the lock it up uh, ahead no. of time. So I wish you had on this one because I would stop. And a real professional would stop the podcast, go look, and not stumble over this. But um, did he actually give an absolute timeline? I know he's been sort of, sort of like putting it out there that he thought there was going to come back, but I haven't heard anything in the last maybe ten days about that. So do you have an update on where he is with the rehab? No, it's essentially, you know, it's everyone saying, I wouldn't doubt it, you know, from Sean Marks to Steve Nash to other guys to Spencer Dinwiddie wanting to set basically the the most successful ACL recovery in history as far as timelines go. I think, realistically, based on what we've seen from him and some of the reports of his recovery, that if if he were healthy enough to return, it's probably not going to come until the second round of the playoffs at the earliest. So at that point... That's crazy. I can't believe we're talking about that. It's it's nuts that we're even discussing. Yeah. Well, and that that alone, we can we can go into that. But the other piece I wondered about was because I highlighted how obviously important he could be for the team, how valuable he potentially could be. But with the way this team is constructed, with all of the offensive firepower you already have, do you automatic? I know that Spencer Dinwiddie is automatically the you know fifth best player on the team, probably with Joe Harris there, right? You're going to put that hierarchy somewhere, and yet. Do you see value in particular spots where you go, well, what do we need in the court right now? More more scoring from the point guard position? Or do we need some defensive stops or defensive versatility of a Bruce Brown in stints? Like, do you think that if he was healthy and capable of being on the court, that automatically he would get all these minute shares and just kind of gobble them up and you would see guys get shoved down? Or would he end up falling into the rotation of situational players and how you want to execute? Yeah, no, I well, I just don't think I think the fact that we're even talking about it means the minutes are going to barely be there. He'd have to ramp it all the way back up. I don't think he really knocks anybody out. I think it'd be nothing more than 10 to 14 minutes a night, something like that. I think they'd still be probably hard pressed to have him in total game flow action. Again, it's a miracle we're even talking about it. Like it's this has usually been end of season, see you next year kind of stuff. The fact that it happened in season and we're talking about the playoffs on a shortened schedule of all of all things, like it's just nuts that this is where we are with this injury recovery stuff at this point. So um, I don't remember if this was a lock it up or not. I say no, he doesn't. I say no, he doesn't play in the playoffs. I feel like it's been a nice. Uh, that's the swan song you want, right? Like you, you'd love to see him one last time out there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But um, so I'm going to say. I can't lock that up, and I'm rooting really hard for it. <laughs> and, that, and that, my friends, is how we close out another edition, possibly the last edition for the regular season of Lock It Up. All right, yeah, we're gonna get. Um, we'll be back again next week. We're gonna have a clear idea of the playoff picture. We do have to. We do have to sum up the um, Locked On Nets fantasy basketball league. There's a reason that we didn't. Oh, you know, boy. there's a reason I didn't talk about it. It's because I lost in the semifinals. So then the second I lost, <laughs> I was the season was over for me. I actually don't care who won. Uh, so whoever, no, I'm just kidding. We'll shout out to the people. <laughs> we will shout. Out. <laughs> I can't say. A little, little too, oh, little too much honesty there from Doug. Came out a little too hot there. All of a sudden, everyone goes, "Wow, yeah, yeah." I meant that as a joke, but ooh, that was pretty clean. 
Well, no, I'm just being honest that I'm a competitor. I'm, I'm competitive. <laughs> I'm, I am competitive. And when I and it's not, it wasn't like I just like you know lost the first week of the season and then just not, never paid attention. I paid a lot of attention to the season and I just stopped paying attention when I lost in the semifinals. Like I went to Cancun, you know, one, two, three, Cancun, and that's when I went. And I don't, and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't watch. He's on the banana yeah, boat. I just, yeah, like and, and I, t- I tuned it a little bit for the finals, but not really because I was already on vacation. Okay, we'll be back. We'll, we'll give some shout outs next week for that stuff. Um, in the meantime, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Five stars or bust any platforms. Go and re-rate and review it, and leave a little note. That really helps. Uh, that helps on the platforms. It helps you know put a little wind in our egos too. So it's always a good time. Rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And if you want wind in your own sports sales, you got to be heading over for all your sports news needs in under 20 minutes with a Locked On Today podcast. It's your host, Peter Bukowski, updating you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of all of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. And of course, friends, as we look like we're staring down the barrel of a number two seed, why not? I, too, like to live dangerously. Number two, the man, the myth, the legend, Robert Wagner. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.